Elmont Online Podcast. I'm Aubrey Phillips. It's day 59 of New York on pause. Physical distancing has worked, and New Yorkers are beginning to dip their toes back into the water. I continue to hope that New Yorkers don't succumb to a false sense of security or worse. Revert to a meism that puts others at risk. Wearing a mask is more about protecting others than about protecting ourselves. Governor Cuomo's easing off of the New York on pause button is not an invitation for you to hit fast forward. Many are expressing frustration with the outcome of round one of the community's lawsuit against the Belmont Park Redevelopment Project. The ruling hasn't changed the case's sound, legal, and moral footing. The community is poised to move forward to round two. Keep listening to our podcast for weekly updates. Here on the podcast, we will ask the questions, offer insights, and entertain thoughtful answers. And on that note, we extend well wishes to our neighbors and friends suffering and recovering from COVID-19, the disease that spreads the coronavirus. We'll be right back with the conversation. You're listening to the Elmont Online Podcast. I'm Aubrey Phillips. Joining us today is Tammy Williams. Tammy is a product of our community. She is CJ's mom, a social worker and activist. But most of all, Tammy is a force to be reckoned with. Tammy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Phillips, for having me this afternoon. And we we can omit the formality. Call me as you see fit. Hi, Aubrey. <laughs> Much better. So, Tammy, as you know, a New York State Supreme Court judge ruled on the two cases filed by the community in opposition to the Belmont Park Redevelopment Project. I can think of no one more knowledgeable on this matter than you. So please give us a brief history, including how you got involved in this community movement. And then, Tammy, it's on. We'll just let the conversation flow. Well. How it got started or how I got involved was one day I was sitting in a hospital room with my son who was not feeling well at the time. And this guy pops up on Channel 4 News, knocking on doors, informing residents that a proposed soccer stadium was about to be built at Belmont Park. I said, wait, what? Huh? What's (laughs) going on here? (laughs) I live like three blocks away. I didn't know about this. So I attended a civic meeting and got to know Mr. Aubrey Phillips better by community association. And from there, I was with Aubrey, just knocking on doors, informing our neighbors that you know that they want to put a 25,000 seat arena (laughs) and this is crazy. Who in the world thought it? I mean, everyone just jumped on this online petition. Mm -hmm. At the time I was 
doing my first year of social work school and community organizing. I was just getting all the pointers from the greatest movements of our time. And I was just pumped. And I said, yeah, me and my fellow social workers, we're going to go out here and we're going to fight the power. And we've been fighting ever since. Ever since. Ever since. Six years going, going, yeah, going on six years, just knocking on doors, just having that person to person conversation and making, making people think, you know, Mm. because it sounds great. Yes. But is it, is it great for you? You know, when you come home from work and you want to unwind and, and that hustle and bustle is just like, ah, do you want to come home and deal with all that, that nonsense? And then the reactions I got from our neighbors, just like, no, that's the reason why I moved out the city. That's the reason why I moved out to five boroughs. I wanted some peace and quiet. I wanted my children to be able to ride their bikes up and down the residential block. Nobody wants that. So that deal was delayed for, I believe, three to three years or, or it, so. It was about three and a half years. We fought that for about three and a half years. And then all of a sudden, behind the scenes, this cooked up scheme about putting a 19,000 seat arena. Yes. Versus this 25,000 seat open air. Soccer field. Soccer field was now going to get the attention of the powers that be so we were like oh my gosh here we go again do we need to go get another six thousand signatures to be like no 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 this is not economic development you know low-wage jobs Mm -hmm. just they just don't pay the mortgage or rent you're not doing anything for anybody you're doing things for people who already are wealthy exactly and you know you mentioned in your You just mentioned the idea of low-wage jobs. And we are experiencing a pandemic right now. Mm -hmm. And as you know, those people with low-wage jobs, those people that are frontline workers, not only are they the first to suffer the consequences of this pandemic, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the number of people infected and the number of deaths, Elmont happens to be among the highest in Nassau County. And clearly, some of this relates to the thing that you've been talking about a lot, and that is development and the density of development in communities like Elmont, I should say minority communities. So we'll come now to what this judge, who appears to agree with you in a part of his ruling, where I think he claims that the development is inconsistent with the community's needs. Am I correct? The short decision, mm-hmm. because there were many actions, I believe over a hundred at causes of action. Causes of actions, correct. And he reviewed and commented on at least eight correct. out of over a hundred and change. Exactly. So what he pointed out was that, okay, this is not the community's desire, but being that ESD, Empire State Development, acknowledged that you have a a valid argument, that's all they had to do is to acknowledge you. Like, okay, thank you. All right, now go sit down. Yes. Well, but wait a minute. You're about to propose low-wage jobs and, you know, that's stressful enough and that's not the community. Okay, yeah, all right, thank you. All right, sit down somewhere. And that's basically what we got from the judge. It was like, 
Yeah, it's not moral. What they did was blatantly immoral, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not illegal. If you if you have a problem with the laws, then you need to take it up with your, your state lawmakers because no one is sitting here correcting what is blight, what is economic development, what is a hard look. Yes. They're not changing the language. So exactly. I'm not changing the language from the bench. I'm understanding that this is wrong. But my hands are tied. And that's the sense I got from his ruling. He wasn't going to change policy from the bench. I see. You're being very generous. I was. Oh, yeah, I am. Well. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to be seeing both sides. Like, okay, what you trying to say here? What are you trying to. mm -hmm. And the reason I say that you're being very generous is this case was filed almost since November or October. September. Uh, September, exactly. September of 2019. And he ruled on it in May of 2020. Now, let's let's kind of examine some things that, that he should have learned along the way. The, the most recent thing that he should have learned is the fact that there is a pandemic and that mm-hmm. the pandemic should have pointed out to him some of the inequities and the flaws in this project. The idea that the government really didn't mitigate or resolve a number of the community's concerns, not the least of which was these two 30,000-gallon propane tanks in our neighbor's backyards. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't even really expand on that, except to say that it's conjecture, that these tanks might explode. One of the things that I was concerned about in that particular line of rationale was, well, if this is conjecture, is he suggesting that the only time a community or a person can bring a cause of action is after the fact, Mm. not preventatively. Mm. So in my layman's term, I certainly am not a lawyer, Tammy. Is he suggesting that if, for instance, yes, that that, that, that limbs have to be on the ground. And then that's injury. And then that's injury. and, And therefore he has no role in preventing that when rational reasoned arguments are made that can prevent it. So that was one of my problems with his ruling. That's why I said you were being generous. I also want you to talk a little bit about, I don't know if you have the ruling in front of you. I do. Mm -mm. No, 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 I don't. That's that's fine. I got to drink wine when I'm reading it. it. Yes, yes. And and actually, it's probably the only way it will make sense. Keep my my pressure down. (laughs) You got to woosah when you read it because you're just like, wait a minute, you don't even know how to spell Belmont. Oh, gosh. You see there, you, I, I know that. And, and he, you know, many people probably haven't read it in its totality. I mean, people like you and I have, you know. Uh, so I want to get back to something about how this is really going to impact the community. So let's us two just lay persons living in a community ask ourselves the following question. I'll ask, I'll ask the question, you answer it. You move to a community and your property value is whatever it is. And as you're living there, someone or the government puts something close to your property that devalues your property. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that if 
I'm trying to sell my house and there are two propane, we like to call them bombs, if you recall. Those are in my backyard now. Mm -hmm. Rational people would know that, okay, my house value is going to be negatively affected. Do you find that kind of thinking flawed in any way? And if you do, tell me how. First and foremost, it is beyond crazy to propose putting up or below grade liquid bombs mm -hmm. in anyone's community, especially a community of color, <laughs> okay? Bombings is just embedded in PTSD, okay? Everybody's trying to bomb you. Yes, but indeed. But to, to devalue your property is not only to devalue you as a, as a human being and your health doesn't matter, but now you're paying all these taxes mm -hmm. for young people to go to school and be healthy, but you don't know what they're smelling. You don't know if that has a long-term effect on Correct. their cognitive skills, neurology, until later on you find out, oh, you know what? It's seeping into the groundwater because that's what Long Island is. It's an aquifer. We all share this water and think you flush down the drain, mm -hmm. ends up in this water Correct. that has to be recharged and clean. And so I just don't get the judge when he says, I have to wait and see. You're speculating that this will happen. No, National Grid submitted a letter in the draft environmental impact study mm -hmm. and said, if you want this mega project to go forward, we need a pipeline called the Williams Pipeline to come from Pennsylvania to New Jersey off the Rockaways in Queens to funnel more natural gas. I don't call natural gas, gas, mm -hmm. to heat your facility so you can cook and you can, you won't be cold in the winter. Or, you know, the other option is that the state took, oh, well, we will just truck it in. And then the response that the state gave us during this lawsuit was, oh, that's only if the pipeline doesn't happen. Well, guess what? It's not happening. As of May, it's not happening. As of May, May 14th, May 15th, it's not happening. The, it was denied. The permit to infiltrate water and make it more dirty than what it is, is not happening. So now it's not speculative. Now it's fact. Now it's a fact, exactly. And and, and the judge's comments about these trucks are not going to go down residential. It's, it's Hempstead Avenue to Hempstead Turnpike. Excuse me. Last time I checked, there's homes up and down Hempstead Avenue. Homes up and down 212th Street. That feeds into the... Clearview Expressway. Exactly. Every 10 years, the census comes along and it seems like everyone I know always asks the same two questions. What is the census and why does it even matter? Let me give it to you straight. The census counts every single person living in America. An accurate count of our community tells us where there are more people and where there are more people, there are more needs. Our participation could impact how public funding flows to our schools, health clinics, senior care, job training, and housing. It even determines our congressional representation. I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like the census matters to me. This year, take a little time for the 2020 census. You can complete it online, by phone, or by mail, and make sure you count everybody you live with. Your mama, daddy, sweetheart, babies, roommates, everyone. This chance only comes every 10 years, so let's step up and be counted. Shape your future. Start here. Learn more at 2020census.gov. Paid for by U.S. Census Bureau. You're listening to the Elmont Online Podcast. 
I'm Aubrey Phillips. So all along the route, there will be homes in jeopardy, whether the home is in Queens or in Nassau County. Exactly. And we know people of color develop asthma, other respiratory issues. It's just like living next to the cross Bronx. So you're not breathing in fresh air. You're, you don't know what you're breathing in. Correct. And then you're going to a low-wage job to, to make someone else wealthy that doesn't pay taxes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so that you can go home and say, now I'm, I'm the frontline worker, I'm the essential worker, and I'm sick. But I'm in this dead-end job because that's all our government is producing. You have 25% of the U.S. population on unemployment because the jobs are in hospitality, is in retail. Don't get me started on that retail village that they want to create. I don't know who's coming in from Shanghai, China, and whatever else they quoted in their study um, yes, in who's, England. Who's, who's flying uh, 24 who's, hours from the Far East to JFK? To get knockoff Gucci. To buy a Gucci, whether it's knockoff or not. <laughs> no, it says knockoff. It says, I follow Malkin's value retail and it's knockoff Gucci from the year before and international people don't know the difference. That's was their little platform. I'm not trying to sound a certain way, <laughs> but it's not this year's Gucci. I see. So now we're a tourist destination. No, no one is trying to be near anybody. Before this pandemic You're listening to CJ's mom. Tammy no Williams. One is trying to be on top of each other. I mean, you have the governor questioning, oh, why is it New York City and Long Island so densely populated these days? Because everybody's piled up on each other. Well, duh. Yes, and this brings me back to why it is that I, I find it difficult to, to be generous with the judge. And the only way I can see this is if, for instance, if he had, let's say he wrote this ruling six months ago and didn't have the benefit of current events, then I could excuse this document. But if he has the benefit of current events and he chooses to write this document nonetheless, then whether he contributes billions to, the, to frontline workers, whether he goes out there and he produces masks for them and he funds whatever, seems irrelevant to me. Mm. I shouldn't have to go to the judge bearing the limbs of my neighbors to prove that I'm no longer speculating. Yeah. And, and, and not he, to, and he chooses not to not interrupt to. you, mm -hmm. not to interrupt you, but a lot of questions that were raised during the, the process mm -hmm. was not answered or in my opinion, ignored. We asked for the document or the letter from um, Empire State Development that they had a meeting with NYPD. They had a meeting with Nassau County Police, all law enforcement and um, Homeland Security to talk about this 30,000 gallon. gallon. Two of them. Tank, two of them that they have to truck in. And we still did not receive the correspondence from that meeting. If this is supposed to be open meeting and, and transparent, and why do we receive any information months later? If you get something, we get something. If you examine something, we examine it at in real time. So how after 9-11 do you 
put tanks, whether it is above or below, okay, in a residential community, in a entertainment um, destination, knowing all the bombings that happen. And all of the attempted saboteurs that are out there, either trying to disrupt the electrical grid or all of the things. These are, these are classically referred to as soft targets. Soft targets. You're making us a soft target. And we know this from Las Vegas. We know this from um, what happened in Ohio and their entertainment district. We learned this in the UK, that when your guard is down, that's when you become a target. France, Germany, we can go on and on. <laughs> and the emergency exit or entrance into their proposed um, retail village is down a residential block that you basically two cars can't even come down. Correct. Together. And you're supposed to get emergency management in there. God forbid something happens. It's just we talk about these things because it's not that we're like, oh, we're so against development. No, it's because we see what happens in other communities and in other parts of the world when people don't pay attention and learn from it. Correct. You're listening to the Elmont Online Podcast. I'm Aubrey Phillips. Every 10 years, the census comes along and it seems like everyone I know always asks the same two questions. What is the census and why does it even matter? Let me give it to you straight. The census counts every single person living in America. An accurate count of our community tells us where there are more people and where there are more people, there are more needs. Our participation could impact how public funding flows to our schools, health clinics, senior care, job training, and housing. It even determines our congressional representation. I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like the census matters to me. This year, take a little time for the 2020 census. You can complete it online, by phone, or by mail, and make sure you count everybody you live with. Your mama, daddy, sweetheart, babies, roommates, everyone. This chance only comes every 10 years, so let's step up and be counted. Shape your future. Start here. Learn more at 2020census.gov. Paid for by U.S. Census Bureau. And <laughs> I, I'm going to turn okay. my attention now to, yes. to, 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 to some of the residents uh, or some of the proponents of this project who, who see this as an opportunity for economic development, essentially suggesting that our children will have nice entry-level jobs serving hot dogs, etc. But mm -hmm. that is inconsistent with the record of our high school. Mm -hmm. And you know the record of the high school. You're a product of that high school. You want to talk a little bit about really what we produce in the Elmont Memorial High School? What types of students we produce there? I will have to say being a graduate of 1999, yes, I'm dating myself, <laughs> but there is such a strong connection to academics. Mm-hmm that is beyond this world. I had students who graduated, moved on to Ivy League schools, are studying medicine and, and science and mathematics and culture and arts and just everything that they know that will sustain their future. Right. But then I also had those critics talk about you cheated to get there or you're not smart enough because of the color of your skin. Right. This is, this is a multicultural community that, that lives together, hangs out together, 
enjoys each other's cultures, no matter what background I went to school, it was Italians, it was Jewish, it was black, it was Caribbean, it was multi, it was like the yes. UN. Asian, you, you, you Asian, name it. Every, name it, you had every culture. We had international night hosted by our teachers so we can try each other's food, you know, learn each other's culture, be cultural, culturally competent and respectful. And then you have blood sucking campaign donors who don't know you, but what they see on television and assume that this is all you can achieve. We had proponents get up and say, you know what, Floor Park, you may not want these jobs, but we do. I said, whoa, mm -hmm. whoa, you mm -hmm. just said it's back 60 years. Well, you know, before you go forward, you know my favorite, my favorite movie, Django Unchained. <laughs> and in every community, there will always be a Stephen. And I guess there are many among us. I just had to say that. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're listening to the Elmont Online Podcast. I'm Aubrey Phillips. In the study that they conducted, they essentially did nothing of substance to mitigate the traffic that would be occurring along Elmont Road, Hempstead Turnpike, Plainfield Avenue, and the like. Those are the major arteries mm -hmm. in Elmont. So you know this, and I'd like you to tell us, if you don't mind, it's going to get a little personal, but at one point, your son was mm -hmm. very ill. Mm -hmm. And had it not been for your quick action, we may not be having a wonderful conversation right now. So could you tell us a little bit about what transpired in that time so that people around the community can get a sense as to what the peril would be should these traffic issues be allowed to go forward unmitigated? This right here is one of the reasons why I got involved is because I was sitting in the hospital room with a child going through a sickle cell pain crisis and being so close to the hospital, which is um, LIJ, um, Cohen. it's Northwell now, and, and having the care of the, of the staff and, and doctors of Cohen, that's that your sense of community is knowing that if in a split second you needed to get to the hospital for whatever reason, you know that you have, you're dealing with a, a individual who has a medical condition that relies on monthly care to stay alive. And then someone comes and tells you, until you suffer an injury, I, I can't, I can't rule on this properly. So someone has to die hmm. in order for something to change. Yes. What in the, who in the world do you think you are? No one is out here paying all this money and property taxes because you think you moved it on up like George and Wheezy. Yes. You moved into a community for a reason. And not one child, one adult, should have to risk a medical emergency to benefit wealthy donors to our governor. They're not important because guess what? One lives in Connecticut and the other one lives in England and they can helicopter in. And they can helicopter out. You're listening to CJ's Mom, 
Tammy Williams. That was my personal to political or, or mm-hmm. from case to cause was the fact that you had six minutes to get a critically ill child lifeless to a hospital. And by all means necessary, you got that child there. But when it's Belmont Stakes Day, oh, you stay away. Because even if you show ID to say, I've just lived down the block, those police barriers wouldn't even let you down the block. Correct. So if the fire trucks couldn't get down, and we have video, fire trucks, emergency management, ambulances couldn't get down for this one day. When we we brought it up to the state, they said, listen, Belmont is unique. We don't expect 50,000 people. But yet, with the value retail, that mega mall you want to build, that outlet mall to get knockoff Gucci, plus an event every other day that you have to guarantee 17 to 19,000 spectators, Hmm. plus the people who live here, which is 30,000 people. Um, Excuse me, genius. Mm. It's amazing how justice works. Mm-hmm. I know that you Someone are Someone very... has to die for a change to happen. To occur. I get it. I get it. I know you're very familiar with the UDC Act. Oh, yeah. And somehow, you know, as a resident of Elmont, I feel bludgeoned by the UDC Act. Could you tell me why I feel that way? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the UDC Act, the Urban Development Corporation Act of 1968 was designed by former Governor Nelson Rockefeller to revitalize blighted communities after landlords burnt down urban communities when people from the South Mm -hmm. started to run to the North because their communities like Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Durham, North Carolina, all those areas that had community wealth, just dollars circulating in that community. And their communities got burnt down. They were getting lynched because it was economics. It's like, hey, you're not buying my stuff. Let me Mm -hmm. burn down your stuff. So you have to come over here and buy my stuff. So they ran up to the to the north. Didn't have to deal with the segregation, but segregation wasn't so blatantly in your face. You were just pushed in certain communities and then known by zip codes. So when the South Bronx was burning down, when certain communities in Brooklyn was um, becoming drug infested or Harlem, Nelson Rockefeller said, well, let's fix up these boarded and blighted communities. So when we look at Elmont, we say we we asked on the on the microphone. Is Elmont blighted? And the state responded, no. So I said, then how do we fit into this criteria of blight? Um, Well, we've been trying to help Naira for the last, you know, 10 years. So Naira's blighted. It's like, (laughs) yeah. I I was like, but what part of Naira is blighted? So they had to go find it. And on December 6th of 2019, 2018, I want to say, 2018, 2018, they said that they are arrested, um, future blight or unsanitary conditions because (laughs) there were vines growing on the wall. That sounds, but that, but Tammy, that sounds very speculative to me. I Mm -hmm. mean, if, 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 if speculation is okay for, for the government. 
mm-hmm. how, how come how come the citizens are incapable of, of of having the same kind of speculation as it relates to for instance bombs yeah, in their backyards thank you keep that, going that, so you, so these two parking lots been here since the 50s and now after the 2008 bailout you are afraid that these two parking lots are going to become boarded up i don't know their parking lots oh well the paving the paving it's cracks in the parking lot um what parking lot don't have that issue belmont puts out a report that they made billions of dollars in one year billions so you telling me that they can't repave a parking lot mm. okay well judge says well, they're not looking at the Elmont community. Elmont community is fine. They're just looking. I said, no. The study says 1.5 miles, 2.5 miles. You have to look at this mile radius right? in order for it to make sense. So you're not just looking at the parking lot. You have to. The parking lot is not a person. Nor it's is it a home. Unempl- it, thank you. And it's not unemployed. The point of the UDC Act is to take people who are currently living in blighted communities or unemployed or on the system, mm-hmm. whether it's local, whether it's state, you're receiving some type of subsidy that you can get off of the system and start making a way for yourself. Exactly. I still don't understand how in the world selling the hot dogs and beer is going to get anybody off of social welfare. Well, obviously we know we know uh, we can speculate that is never going to get you off of welfare. What we also can do, we are now in Elmont having been defined by the state to be blighted through the use of the UDC Act. We as Elmont residents, many of whom are on the front lines fighting COVID-19 as doctors, as nurses, as healthcare workers, etc. Hardworking people. You have been, we have been now redefined, redefined as subpar. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do this ourselves. We didn't go out into the streets and burn our, our storefronts. No. The government defined us. They've defined us as urban, whatever that mm-hmm. means. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those catchphrases that you call dog whistling or whatever mm. that terminology <laughs> is that you know when you say urban yes what does that mean it's the euphemism you know because you, you know, because it's, it's just like how does naira fit into blight because if you're saying because they rent out their space to car dealerships brand new cars oh my gosh that's an eyesore so when you drive up and down Sunrise Highway looking for a vehicle, that's a that's an eyesore. <laughs> you know, or the fact that there's a casino less than nine miles away at Aqueduct, and they use that parking lot for the same pur- purpose for the same of purpose storing cars. Exactly. But they got they they got a, a sold the dream over there too, and a whole bunch of problems. You're listening to CJ's mom, Tammy Williams. With the UDC Act, if it was supposed to uplift communities that were forgotten about or, you know, purposely blighted so that they wouldn't have economic security and and community wealth, 
why is it that Naira, which is whatever they are, um, privatized or why are they benefiting from a program that's not intended for wealthy, established people? You know, that was my whole, how mm -hmm. come? How come? Sure. How come you fit into this category? Oh, so you created the blight. And then this board that they created after they took the Oh, you the mean you over. mean you mean the uninformed, ill-informed, misinformed board? Yeah, franchise oversight board that was supposed to oversee and they had their own bylaws or contract with Naira that, you know, you must maintain these properties whatever money you get from the casino at Aqueduct, you have to maintain all these three properties and when the um uh, state controller did an uh, audit and said, hey, you're not using money for capital um, improvement projects. What is the reason? They said, because we don't want to. And that's in black and white. That was submitted to the courts. So you purposely are creating whatever blight they're trying to arrest or prevent. You know, it's in black and white. I said, so you know what, six years worth of research, this judge didn't read anything. Apparently not. And again, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an attorney and I don't even play one on TV. But here <laughs> is here is what's funny about what's going on here. Several years ago, there was a nurse. Uh, I think it was New Jersey. If I'm using if I'm if I'm misrepresenting New Jersey, forgive me. Let's say it was New Jersey or New York. There was a nurse who would go around and poison his his patients, but he mm. wouldn't kill them. He would, he would give them enough poison that they would need him, and then he would rush in and revive them. Mm. Of course, what happened in the event is that on occasion, one or two of them died. So he killed a number of his patients. But his game was, I'm going to, whatever, whatever his psychology was, and again, I'm not the attorney, I'm not a psychologist, but whatever the psychology of it was, was here was someone who was purposely putting people's lives in peril mm. and then showing up with the cure. And I can see how the government has done this in communities like Elmont, where mm -hmm. they neglect certain services, they neglect to properly address the needs of the community, and then they come rushing in with this UDC Act, which has become nothing more than a giveaway for wealthy developers, mm -hmm. and pretend that they're fixing it. But the way they fix mm -hmm. it is they fix it with low-wage jobs. If this COVID-19 didn't teach us anything, is the fact that our government is useless. All the good, innovative jobs, manufacturing jobs, that put food on people's tables, insecurities in people's hearts and, and minds and stress. It's all overseas because they don't have to pay people overseas, but you know, a dime for their work. Or they went all into prisons where they don't even have to pay them to make sanitizers that we're using. They can't use it. <laughs> but then, you know, and they refuse to go, you know, pick any oranges and stuff, just protest like idiots mm -hmm. about opening up nail salons. Like you can't go to Walgreens and get yourself a nail filer, but I'm just saying. <laughs> you, you see that we are dumbing down America and we want to continuously keep 
the working class, the working poor. Indeed, and uh, and and so we we're coming to the end of our podcast for today. Oh, this was two. <laughs> this was fun. We need a part two. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're coming to the end. Don't for get today. me started. But but you know, as as we think about as we think about COVID nineteen and its its current impact on communities of color, and we look at this system of I would call it de facto marginalization so you know you have someone in washington who simply comes out front i don't like those people over there let's build a wall of course the virus doesn't respect the wall so let's build a wall so you have this one person out there who is overtly vulgar in his declaration of war on certain people in this country and then you have this subtle declaration of war against those very people and it's COVID-19 now that has made it clear made it clear that whether you are vulgar in your approach to these people or whether you are subtle and kind and gentle in your speech but the end result of your legislative actions lead to the degradation of the very people that you pretend or that you are suggesting that you are taking care of, mm -hmm. they both end up in the same place. And so, you know, we as we, we have to consider, you know, whether, whether the vulgarity on the one hand, you know, the, the vulgarity expressed from the White House or the wonderful, well-articulated words on the other hand, we have to now take a look at actually what the policy implications are for communities mm -hmm. like Elmont. Because the words, mm. the words apparently don't matter. What matters is the policy implications. How do you think? Mm. I don't have to say anything. You just summed it up. <laughs> well, that was, that is it. I don't drop mic, drop mic. That's all I have to say. Well, Tammy Williams, it's a pleasure having you on the Elmont Online Podcast today. Thank you for having me. Fight the power. Keep fighting. The Elmont Online Podcast is brought to you by www.elmont.org, where residents go for cutting-edge commentary, real-time news feeds, and more. Elmont.org building a stronger community since 1999. Thank you for listening. Between now and the next time we meet, be safe. I'm Aubrey Phillips.